Hello, this is Wendy, and this is part of my series of informal podcasts. I am recording them onto my phone, and I am sitting on a lanai in Hawaii in my quarantine. So there's no music playing as an introduction, and there's no da-da-da-da, there's just me talking to you. And the last thing I posted about was doing another podcast and asking what you need help with. So this is very interesting. This gave me a lot of ideas of things we can talk about. It's really beautiful where I'm at. I'm up on the third floor, and I can see a little bit of the ocean and the beautiful sunsets, just amazing sunsets. And I read today that the volcanic kind of dust that goes into the air in Hawaii is what causes all the sunsets to be so beautiful. All righty. <laughs> and lots of birds, as you can hear. Some of them come and have breakfast. They wait for their breadcrumbs in the morning and come and have little croutons or tortillas or whatever I'm serving to the birds that morning. There are some really pretty ones. There are a lot of songbirds. So let's get right to some of the questions, the things that you're curious about, the things that you've always wanted to ask. And we'll see what comes up. This is, as I said, informal, unplanned, and (laughs) unknown as to where it might go. Grace says, I'm curious to know if you have a calendar or planner and which one and how. Also, someone I told that my friend Wendy moved to Hawaii and he said, why don't you call her? And now I have to. (laughs) And she says, planning is my current obsession. Well, Grace, I got good news and bad news. (laughs) The good news is I'm a Sagittarius, so I'm very spontaneous, and I kind of live day to day. And the bad news is I'm a Sagittarius. I don't do a lot of really hardcore planning. I do keep my appointments in my Google Calendar appointments, and hopefully I remember to look at them to you know make the appointments, which actually I do. I, <laughs> I think I may be more organized than a lot of people, but I feel pretty inferior on the organizing um, track. So I'm going to just say, Grace, um, that you continue to do as much organizing and calendar and planning and look to someone who's not me for more help with that because I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know. I I don't want to say that I'm not good at that. I'm good at that. It's just not something that I'm passionate about and that I love to do. Steve, 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 awesome man. He says, I just want to say thank you. I got to know you about four years ago at the height of my addiction. The help you gave me has brought me back to love life and in turn help others. And this part makes me really happy. He says, because of you, my hypnotherapy practice is now helping others. The most respect and gratitude to Wendy. That's pretty cool. Steve, Steve, Steve. Yeah, he, Steve just listened to, I think it was a free 15-minute audio session. And from that, he ended successfully and fairly easily a really really difficult addiction that for most people is something that's almost impossible to let go of so yeah right there with you steve you awesome man i am just so thrilled that we ran into each other somewhere on the internet gary says one word so this must be a big one (laughs) his one word in his message is motivation you know the amount of people that need motivation. 
And on the flip side of it, the ones who feel like they're the world's worst procrastinators. It is so consistent that all of these people feel like they don't have the motivation that everyone around them does, but they're the one who is the world's worst procrastinator and they don't know how to get themselves going. So, yes, on the next line, Steve says, please help with procrastination. It's the biggest pain in my life. I will tell Gary and Steve and the rest of you that before I started being a hypnotherapist, I had a pretty big problem with uh, motivating myself to do some of the things I needed to do. One of them was getting the mail, which sounds really weird, but I decided I had a mail phobia because I just wouldn't get the mail for like a month. And the reason was is because when I went to get the mail, and some of you can relate to this depending on your age, all of our bills and notices and everything came in the mail. So when I was really broke, when I was first starting out in hypnotherapy especially, I got a lot of mail that was bills that I couldn't pay. And I think it conditioned me to dread going to the mailbox because it was just going to be bad news. (laughs) A little something from the IRS, a little something from the state of California, uh, notices to turn off utilities. And one of the reasons I tell you this is that I went through this. It was a very dark time for several years, and it was it was really difficult because I couldn't motivate myself to do what I needed to do. So I had just learned hypnotherapy, and I figured that I better use some of these skills on myself. So what I did was I went through several sessions on what it would feel like to... Um, let's say the tax things. I owed some back taxes. What it would feel like to finish those back taxes, and even if they're estimates, submit them and have it done. So in my mind, I was dancing and skipping down the driveway with an envelope in my hand that was the final taxes, and I was just imagining being so happy and so full of joy because I wanted to feel what it was like to have this behind me. And I went to the mailbox and I imagined myself pulling it. It, In my imagination, it was one of those like big blue mailboxes that's on a street somewhere in town. But regardless, I imagined myself pulling that drawer down and putting that envelope in, closing it up and just smiling and putting my hands up to the sky and saying, oh my God, this is the feeling I want. This is how I want to be is free from the dread and the self-loathing or the anger or the blame. And you know, after I did that, I still hadn't taken care of those taxes or a lot of the other bills and things that I was behind on. But all of a sudden, I wanted to. I wanted more than anything that feeling that I got when I imagined being at that mailbox. Let's say you have a task or a bunch of them that you don't like doing. Pick one. And just notice what it is that's making you dread doing it, why you don't want to do it. And be real honest with yourself about what it is. Where do you feel it? In your stomach? Usually we do. Is it on your shoulders, in your chest? Does it feel like it's in your legs? Go ahead and notice that. And then decide what the process is for you to complete that task. If the process is hiring someone to help or needing to get some documents together or if it's cleaning your house up you know what it will take to just tackle one room of your house 
But then take yourself on the process of the finishing moment where you are elated and proud of yourself and you feel so good because you did it. So you take yourself to that moment when it's done and you make all these happy connections about who you are, how proud you are, how great this feels, I'm awesome, I got this. You put your hands up to the sky and say, yeah. And then you feel it. And if you do this enough and put enough of your own emotions of pride and what you love about who you are now, you're going to be excited to get it done. Now, some some projects or tasks aren't, you're not avoiding them because you dread them. You just don't have, there's just isn't a win in it for a long time. Maybe it's a project you've been working on for months or years, and there hasn't been a win, a thing that's for you to step up and say, yeah, I got this part done. Well, let's break it down into sections. So a big task, which is actually one of my sessions in the procrastination program that's called Do It Now. And one of the sessions is a big task strategy. So for Steve and for Gary, if it's a big task that you're working on, something that, let's say, might take six months or a year, break it down into the segments of where the win is in each segment. So maybe the first segment, let's say you're writing a book. The first segment is putting together some of the chapter names, deciding what that content is going to be, just by the chapter names and maybe a one-line description for yourself. And you get that down and you go, oh, wow, I've got 12 chapters. Okay, you don't have to sit down and analyze it and figure out how many pages it's going to be or where it's going to go. You just start typing. And when you start typing, a lot of times, especially if you're a fast typist, there's creativity that comes out of your mind and your heart and it just flows onto a page. But let's say that your first task in the big task strategy is getting the basic core done before you even start writing any chapters or maybe it's getting the intro pages done and once you do that that first task and you finish it do the thing where you close your eyes you imagine vividly yourself doing that and finishing it and feeling the elation of yes that part is done now i just want i want to keep going I want the rest. You have to have some wins in there along the way. So you break it up. Let's say it breaks up into five different parts over the period of a year if it's a really big uh, task or project. Do each one of those segments and really feel the win in each one and what it means about you and what that accomplishment does for you and why it's so important for you to get to the finish, finish line of this project. We have to have those feelings of what you created and what it took to do that and get that positive feeling that drives you to want to get it done. For me, there have been many of those along the way. As many of you know, when I've told you that when I was so broke and I was starting out in hypnotherapy, that one thing, two things that I did, one was find out about self-sabotage and what was stopping me, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the other was going a year into the future when my business was doing really well and I implanted there that I had made one million or more, which was a ridiculous thing because there was no way I could do that. But, <laughs> but I did that and I saw all these faces in my imagination of people who were so happy and so grateful. And they were buying a book that I wrote, which I didn't even know I was going to write a book, but I was imagining it because it just kept coming through. And I just felt so much passion about what was in that one year in the future moment 
and that my my products, my recorded programs had sold one million or more. And I brought all the, those feelings back to my present moment, all the way back through a year to my present moment. Well, on the way of coming all the way back through that year, my subconscious mind brought back the joy and the happiness and the big win. And boy, it was it was so different. If I had not done that, I don't believe that I would have had any kind of success at all. I was my own worst enemy and I was holding myself back because of self-sabotage. But what did happen is that I did things differently because my subconscious mind believed this had already happened. Because you've heard me say that your subconscious doesn't know the difference between a real and an imagined event, right? Your conscious mind does, but your subconscious just accepts that this is what's already happened. And you do things differently. You you start your day differently. You're bolder, you're braver, because a part of your brain believes you already made that million. That's already done. And you're already that really awesome person. Now, and of course, it's not just about the money. I'm not trying to make you think that, oh, wow, you know, this is just about you know money, money, money. It's not. Your motivation has to come from other things. So remember when I said I was in that future, I saw the faces of people that I had helped. There's like this crowds of hundreds of people and I was so in awe of having helped all of those people and given them something that made their lives better and sharing my book with them that was enriching their lives. And that's really what I think the feeling was that drove me to do this. And that's what still drives me to do this is the people that will benefit from what I'm doing. So that's the the basic strategy, the big task strategy of breaking it up into parts imagining, visualizing, feeling it, getting the emotions, the belief statements, getting them all put in place. And the reason that you're doing the work you do. The money is part of it, but that's not the goal. It's what it is that you do that's going to make you feel that immense amount of satisfaction and accomplishment that helps other people, you know, because we really like connecting with others and helping others. So... That's that part of it. And then the Do It Now program, it does have a session that is actually called Do It Now. And with that, you are going to be driven that when you have an idea or a thought or something you want to work on, that you want to do it now, do it now, do it now. And the way that that recording works is just getting you to have an overwhelming desire right now. Go put some energy into it right now. Do this much of it. Do that much of it, but right now, when you have that thought. So you might want to think about working on that. And Steve and Gary, I'd be happy to help you out and give you some more suggestions. Janine says, Hi, my friend. I'd like to know what microphone and recording system you use. You always sound great. (laughs) Thank you. When I started out, when I was broke, I had a mic from Radio Shack. It was a $20 mic. It was the hardest working $20 <laughs> ever. I used that mic for a very long time. And I know the sound of the beginning stuff that I recorded. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like that good. It was pretty good, but it was a $20 mic. Then I got a better mic and I'm trying to remember the name of it for you. Um, I just sold it before I moved here. Uh, and it's a condenser mic. A condenser mic gives you a more intimate sound and it can have a just a nicer sound and there's some knobs on it that help you adjust the sound. And I have a popper stopper, which is a round circle. It's 
and it has mesh on it, and you put that in front of the mic so that it stops your paws. Pa 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 pa, the pop stopper. So that, and then your environment. I I used to record a lot of radio commercials at the Chancellor Broadcasting stations in Sacramento, and when I was in there, the guy that um, is in charge of the technical stuff of recording the ads, I told him that I kind of had some sound that I didn't like in my mic and some echoey stuff, and he said, go in your closet, if it's big enough, and put up a chair and your mic and record in your closet. All of those clothes absorb sound. And instead of trying to build a sound studio with foam rubber walls and everything, I started recording in my closet. And when I went in there and sat down, oh my gosh, the feeling of sitting down in my closet and feeling like the the kind of dead sound, you know, that it just doesn't echo off of anything. It was awesome. Plus, it put me in a really nice state of mind because I felt like I couldn't be distracted and I wasn't going to look around the room and see things that I wanted to do. Or It was just a great feeling. Right now, though, Janine, I'm recording onto my phone with just a headphone, you know, the basic headphone uh, microphone that's on the little white wire that I had to entangle about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so right now it's just that. But I've, you know, there are some nice mics out there that if you're looking at a condenser mic, you'll see a lot of good ones and most of them are going to give you really good results. Just read the reviews and then go get the, there's small sound boxes you can get now that are, they're not too big. They're maybe two feet by two feet and it's sort of like a cube and it's open on the front but they have the foam rubber inside. And I just, I bought one just before I moved, silly me, and then I sold it. But uh, when I put my face up to that box, oh my God, the sound was so nice and it felt so good because there was just nothing else that it was bouncing off of and no other sounds that are coming in. So, Lenore, 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 darling. Oh my gosh. Lenore <laughs> got to be on a TV show with me. Maybe there was two TV shows. when I, There were talk shows, and I think it was James Von Prague. Was that his name? We were on that show. It was about her finding the love of her life with hypnosis. And she had an amazing story to tell about when she was in my office, and we went into the future to where she'd meet this man who would be the love of her life, who she's still with to this day. Uh... <laughs> she saw something specific, and I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like something specific on his shirt, and there was like his voice and a few other things. But when she saw him, she knew it was him because the things that she saw in her vision of that future moment were just dead on, just right on. But anyway, Lenore says, I'm on the same page as Steve Bishop. We have your focus and accomplishment recording and listen to it almost every day. But when I wake up, my motivation seems to circle down the drain. I'm so glad you're in Hawaii. I know this is going to be an amazing time for you. Hi, yes, I hope so. We love you. Anyway, it is an amazing time. It's just day nine of my quarantini here. So I'm, <laughs> I'm communing with the birds, making them come into my house and fly around in there occasionally, feeding the geckos, watching the sunsets, as I said. Well, that's interesting, Lenore, that you feel good and you feel like you've got it going on and then you say your motivation circles down the drain. Well, this is where we want to talk about self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is 
that you have a hidden agenda. You have a hidden reason that you're not aware of consciously that is stopping you and sabotaging your success. It can sabotage you for a pos positive reason. So this sounds kind of crazy. Why would I want to sabotage my success or my project or whatever I'm doing? And why would there be a positive reason? But this is typical parts therapy that most hypnotherapists and NLP practitioners do. And if you, Lenore, if you um, wake up in the morning, you're all excited, and then you feel like, go ahead and sit down, relax, and focus on the part of you that has just made you plummet down and lose your motivation. And you want to find that part. So you do it by beginning to breathe and notice the feelings and sensations in your body and take some more breaths. And then notice the location of it in your body. Is it in your belly or your chest or your head or wherever it is? And it could be just all over, but we'd like it to be a part of you that has a specific location. And then you ask that part for the positive reason. What is it? First you ask it what it wants. And uh, then you ask it why it wants that. And then you ask what it needs to let go of the thing that it was stopping you from doing. So my example, again, I use the example from my financial or my abundance work from 25 years ago because it's such a dramatic shift. But for me, I looked at a part of me that had a positive intention to make me fail. And at the time, I had two little kids that were with me half the time and with their dad the other half. Um, just very difficult with not making money and juggling all that. So I asked that part, and it was in my stomach, what it wants. And it said, I want you to be pitiful. That was a shock because there's no way any part of me would be pitiful. And the reason I'm sharing this with all of you is if you do the parts therapy, don't judge the answers, even if they don't make sense. They might. Just stick with it. So it said, I want you to be pitiful. And I was like, and, I, and so I said, thank you. Even deeper, what do you want? And the part said, I need you to be more pitiful. Oh, and that one really hurt. That brought out tears, definitely, because I know part of me was pitiful or wanting to be pitiful. But there's a part of me in my mind, in my heart, in my soul somewhere that wanted this. So then you ask the third question, which is, why do you want that? Now, when you ask, why do you want that, the part should tell you what it's protecting you from or why it's holding you back or the positive reason of why it's doing that. So my part... And I said, why do you want that? And it said, because then somebody will rescue you. And t retelling this process, every time I retell it, I still feel this little sadness in my stomach because it's just so sad that there was a part of me that was trying so hard to maybe get someone to rescue me. Doesn't anybody see how hard this is and how horrible this is? And I just need someone to rescue me. But I never thought those thoughts. I never thought those thoughts. Those were not part of my consciousness. And if the furthest thing from my conscious mind, but this is where it's important for you to understand, Lenore and everyone else who wants to do their own parts therapy, is that 
it's hidden from you. If it if it was a conscious thought that you have and you were aware of what it is, you could fix it and deal with it. But it's hidden, and that's why you have to do this process when you're very relaxed and in pretty good state of trance. So that's what's up with that. Dewey J. Bub. That's a great name. Dewey J. Bub. <laughs> he says, hey, Wahini gals, quit cigarettes? No problem. Quit alcohol? No problem. Clean and tidy the house? Big problem. <laughs> says, I've been using clutter freedom over and over, but have never seen such stubbornness. How to overcome resisting good intentions. Wow, you know, I still feel like uh, the parts therapy is where you've got to go. You have good intentions. You're listening to the program, the clutter freedom, which usually makes people get really obsessed about cleaning up and putting things away, throwing things away, and getting the job done. But it's interesting that you say you've never seen such stubbornness. So, so think about this. You've got one part of you that wants to clean things up and organize and tidy up your house but there seems to be another part of you that's your stubborn part. It doesn't want to do that. We want to find out with that stubborn part, the one that wants you to fail at this or the one that wants you to keep living in a you know mess. Let's find out why. So you're going to ask that part after you relax and then you notice where that part lives in you because just you're going to just kind of name it, you know, the stubborn asshole. <laughs> Maybe not asshole, but just the stubborn part. And when you start feeling it, wherever it is in your body, just notice it and be aware of it. And maybe it'll have a shape or a color or something else that kind of defines it. And then you're going to ask that part, what do you want? And you wait for the answer. And then no matter what it says, just make a note of it in your mind and you say thank you. Even deeper, what else do you want? And just wait. I mean, you might wait, you know, 30 seconds or even a minute. There's no rush. If you put pressure on yourself when you're doing parts therapy, you're going to be interfering with the process because there should be no pressure in finding these answers. And I don't know, humans are weird. We got so, so many problems. And we try to fix them, and we try to fix them by trying harder and harder. And in this case, with a parts therapy, if you try harder, it's going to be more elusive, and you're not going to get the answer. So then you, you say thank you, and you say even deeper, what do you want? And the part says blah, 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 blah. And you wait and take some breaths and say, why do you want that? And in that third question, you should get the positive reason you could even ask the part, instead of just saying, why do you want that? You could say, what is the positive reason that you need this? You're looking for some way that it benefits you or helps you. And, you know, it's, um, it's a real tricky thing. Sometimes there is stuff from your childhood that you're not aware of. Maybe your connection with your mother or your father or, or someone was about... Oh, the house is such a mess. I've got to go clean up the house now. It's just blah, blah, blah. There's something in there that's some emotional content, perhaps. And maybe there's not. Maybe it has to do with something else in your life. But there could be a positive intention for everything. Because the more I do parts therapy, the more I just am amazed at what kind of answers come up. 
And since you quit cigarettes and you quit alcohol, you must have been pretty determined. And I'm assuming you did it with uh, hypnosis, so you made it hopefully easier than it usually is. <laughs> God, when I quit smoking cigarettes when I was you know, like 1980-something, I had tried and tried a zillion times, as many of you have, and... So I got down to two cigarettes a day for a year. Those two cigarettes were so precious and they ruled my day. Because <laughs> I could only smoke a little bit of them so I could keep keep them there throughout the day. But I was that disciplined to do only two a day for a long time and then finally I quit. But I didn't do hypnosis back then. So I just did it by torturing myself really hard. But yeah, doing the hypnosis with it is really important and then you say quitting alcohol so with quitting alcohol Dewey same thing we as doing the parts therapy for the other things we want to find out what that part of you really wants why it feels it has to drink and needs to drink there was a woman I worked with uh, and she wanted to quit drinking but she was having a lot of trouble with it so we did some work on finding out what the positive intention might be. And she went back to suddenly being two years old. I'm in my mother's arms. She's holding me right now and rocking me. And it's, it's very nice. I said, well, what's going on? What, what else do you feel? And she says, nothing. I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy. And I was thinking like, huh, this isn't going to get us anywhere. <laughs> but you stick with it. So then I said, go ahead and let this move forward and let me know what happens next. And she says, my mother just set me down on the ground. And of course she's telling us this from her adult mind with a memory that is very young at that age, but we still have connections to these memories. Even if the memory isn't 100% accurate, we still have the emotion that was connected to that memory that created some kind of belief that is stuck with us. So I'm not too concerned about how totally accurate the memory is but the content that is the emotional or the trigger or the belief stuff I think that's really important so she says she set me down and I can feel that I'm crying I'm on the floor crying and my mom comes back now she's picking me up and she's back in the rocking chair and rocking me I said what else do you notice what are you aware of and she says oh I can hear the tinkling of ice in a glass well of course when she was two years old she didn't know what a glass of ice and all that is, but in her adult brain now, she can interpret those sounds or from that memory and know that it's alcohol. And she says, oh, and I can smell it. Oh, it's like, oh, I think it's like scotch or something, that there's a glass tinkling with the, the ice and that smell. So think about how many times her mother has been holding her, rocking her, and there's a smell of alcohol and the sound of the tinkling of alcohol. Well, this woman misses her mother very much. As an adult, I, her mother was dead, and she misses her a lot. A really soothing connection was also mixed in with the smell of alcohol and the sounds of the ice tinkling. And we resolved that so that she could then not have the connection of alcohol with the love of her mother as a young child. And I suspect that this went on for many years in her life but that was just the one incident that we worked on and it worked and it got got it handled but with alcohol there are so many things that trigger it that are from really deep in memories in your life and events in your life and a lot of you know that because you know a lot of the things that 
you have memories of alcohol, drinking with others, having a good time, making it such a positive experience. And when you were a teenager or whenever you started drinking, the mystery of it and the fun of it and sneaking around with your friends and the, you know, <laughs> oh, the need to hide it and things. But you need to find the positive intention, what it is now that your mind believes is the positive reason for still drinking. And maybe you have more than one positive intention. So you might do the parts therapy two or three times as well. But that is a big part of it. So Dewey, the clutter freedom. I will help you. If you want to get back on Facebook and um, tell me a few more things about what happens when you're wanting to go get stuff cleaned up, um, I will help you. I just was working with a woman. I do a thing where for alcohol or drug use, I work with someone for two weeks and we do a phone call every day for 15 or 20 minutes and then you use the recorded sessions about three or four times a day. There's different ones that I give you and it's kind of personalized. There's some st some of the standard ones that you do, but some of them are kind of personalized so that I know that we're getting at your issue. But anyway, she's doing fine with the alcohol, but uh, some parts of her house were a mess, so she had one room in particular that was a really big mess, and she wouldn't even go in there. Every time she walked by it, she felt really sad because she knew that, oh, gosh, it's such a mess. So I had her imagine going into that room, cleaning everything up, throwing things away, organizing it, and getting all of it finished, and feeling the strength that she had after doing it, what it meant about her, which is the belief that you have now that she did that, and that that room gives her <gasps> this biggest breath of fresh air, and then have her imagine walking by that room and looking in the door and just smiling and loving herself when she sees it. So, and I, after the session, I said, you know, you don't have to go do it all at once, okay? You could just like, this sounds like a big old job that you got, but you could just go do it for um, one hour. Give yourself one hour and let that be the accomplishment. And remember when I was talking about the big task strategy, if you do that and you say, okay, for one hour, I'm going to go start working on the garage or I'm going to go clean off, clean my kitchen, but I'm only going to do an hour. Now that doesn't feel too bad. And that means you're going to have an accomplishment and a win and it will do something for you to motivate you to keep going. And I think the those of you who feel like, well, I'm doing the sessions and I'm still stuck and I still can't seem to get out of it. We've got to look at that positive intention that's behind the negative behavior. And then there are some things that you do to change it. But if you're listening to my hypnosis sessions, I take you through parts therapy and then I have you make some changes in what it means about you the belief about who you are, the kind of person you are, and, and really expand that. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, those are a few of the questions of the people who uh, responded in Facebook. We like to have accomplishments, and I know I've talked about this many times. We need some goals. Yeah. We need some things that we want to finish or start or complete. When you think about, oh, I want to learn a musical instrument, and so that's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take years before I get any good at it. Maybe you kind of subconsciously talk yourself out of doing something new or different or 
having a goal in mind because it feels like it's just too much to do. But we do need to have goals and accomplishments. So what if you were going to learn to play a musical instrument, like you're going to play the piano, and you decide, okay, I, I know enough to teach myself or use some YouTube videos to start lessons. After one week, I'm going to be able to play a simple song because I'm going to practice for this much time every day. And so your goal is just, okay, in one week, I'm actually going to be able to play a nice little song. And you do the practice every day because you're thinking, oh, I want to, yeah, I want to reach that goal. Instead of it just being a wide open-ended, like someday, hopefully, I'll get to play the piano, <laughs> make it something specific that's what's going to happen in the short term so that you have those wins, you feel the accomplishment, and you're proud of yourself. And you get excited, and then you make another goal and say, oh, well, next week I want to have this particular song. I want to know this one. I want to be able to play it. So that is what we need is goals. And I have certainly had a lot of big goals in my life. And the the big one of building a business out of my poo-poo state in life, <laughs> being in Denton, the IRS man used to come to my front door and knock on my door and say, well, can you pay me this money now? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I eventually did. Um, yeah, all of that just wouldn't have happened of what I dug myself out of without doing these processes on myself. The other thing that you need to do also is if you go on a timeline into your future, imagine yourself on that timeline walking out in a path in nature perhaps or whatever kind of path you want it to be. And then along the way, if you're, if you're wanting to go just like one month in the future to create a short-term accomplishment, go to that point one month in the future and just look around and enjoy what you're doing and feel it. Make it as real as real can be. Put emotions into it. Hear your voice going, yeah, I got this. And the voice of other people that are cheering you on or whatever it is. So even short term, you're not overwhelmed by the project you're working on. You're feeling like, wow, yes, one month from now, oh my gosh, I'll have this book ready to be published. Or I will have found the partner that I need to help me with the organizational tasks or something, whatever it is. But yeah, do the short-term stuff and then also take yourself into the longer term of one year in the future. Um, and then what I do, like if it's with the financial abundance program, is when you're walking on that path into the future, when you're going one year into the future, there's a point that I say, and now on that path, notice that there's a wall. That wall just came out of nowhere, and there it is in front of you, stopping you, so you can't go any farther into your future. Notice how big it is, how tall it is. How wide is it? Can you see how far it goes from side to side? What is it made out of? And then we ask the wall, what do you want? What do you need me to know? And ask the wall what it represents. And when my wall told me that, it just put the word fa your father on it. It just wrote it on there magically. And then it told me what the issue was with my father, with me being successful and making money. It totally made sense. But I didn't know it consciously, that's for sure, and I never would have. But we can get information from sources out there that are that non-local consciousness. I'm, it has to be, because there's no other explanation for all the things 
that I've experienced in my work with my clients and with myself and with everybody, you get information that you did not know consciously. And this is probably one of the most valuable things about hypnosis is it gets you out of the need to analyze what's going on and think you need to have the answers and that you have to figure it out. I want you to do the opposite of all that. When you're doing any of these processes, do the opposite. (laughs) No more analysis paralysis, because you already tried that, and it's not working so good, is it? No. Okay, I'm going to take a little sip of water here. I'm not editing this podcast, so you get to listen to me drink water for a second. All righty. I'm drinking alkaline water. Now, let's talk about me. <laughs> now, I'm just going to fill you in a little bit on what, it's, what happens when you move to Hawaii. But, of course, this one is a little bit different. And if you listen to one of my previous podcasts, I talked about it a little bit. But the airfares right now are super cheap. I paid $130 one way from San Francisco. The plane was less than half full, which was great. It was on United. And so there was lots of space and no fear about flying because there just weren't people near you and everyone was wearing masks and such. So that was really nice. And it's, a, you know, not a bad time to look at going somewhere if you know the planes aren't going to be very crowded. But that's probably kind of a crapshoot. So lots of empty vacation rentals here because tourists aren't coming because we have to do 14 days in quarantine. So today is day nine and it's not terrible and if you look at a couple of pictures I'm looking at I'm in this it's a hotel but I have a condo in the hotel that I rented and it's a very old Hawaiian hotel so it's very old style Hawaiian and it's kind of cool because it feels like the history of this hotel is from the like 50s or 60s and (laughs) You know, and the people who came here on their big Hawaiian vacation and stayed here, and there probably weren't a lot of hotels at that time. It's got beautiful palm trees, so many palm trees. I can see 10, 15, 25, there are probably 35 palm trees right in front of my face. There's all these different varieties, and like I said, the birdies, they're so cute, and the geckos that come up and eat with me. Um, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. So I'm in quarantine, but I'm sitting on a lanai because we don't have a deck in Hawaii. They're lanais. But I'm sitting here, and I'm watching these really tall palm trees sway back and forth, and it's very hypnotic. Actually, that's pretty cool. Um, and then I was watching some guys climb the palm trees a couple days ago, and they go up there to cut off some of the lower palm fronds. I guess they're fronds. And they have these things on their feet, like these big metal circular things that extend around the palm tree, and each foot is attached to one of those. So when they step up, the ring goes up, and then they tighten it by just stepping back down a tiny bit. And they just walk up the palm tree with those things on their feet. It's pretty cool. They were really high up. That was quite interesting. So (laughs) what else do I do to alleviate my boredom and my solitude? Been watching some TV. I started watching Schitt's Creek again. I already watched that all the way through a while back because it's been out for a while. But since it won a bunch of Emmys, it's showing up on your TV. It's very, very funny. It's just very funny. The humor is 
is really good. Uh, so like that a lot. And started watching Cobra Kai. And Re Nurse Wretched? Was that it? Something like that. But anyway, some cool shows. And that's, I don't know. What else can I tell you? Alleviating the boredom for me. I cook. I play my ukuleles on the lanai and sing and uh, go back inside and see what's on TV. And come back out here, do a podcast. <laughs> it's okay. Doing this really helps me. Like I said on the previous one from a few days ago, just knowing that I'm potentially talking to someone. So let's hope that this one uploads properly. Let's hope everything goes smoothly and sweetly. And if you want to go check out any of the programs that I talked about, Do It Now, which is a life changer. Alcohol Freedom, another major life changer. That program has saved a lot of lives, for real. Um, what was the other one? Oh, oh, the um, Clutter Freedom. There are people who just say, you know, I just couldn't stop. Once I listened to that and I went to go, like I was going to spend 20 minutes doing this, I just kept doing it till it was completely done. So some people do. They just keep doing it because they're just loving the feeling. They're being driven by the positive motivation, not by the dread and the self-loathing and the blame and everything. Um, and then be inspired to get unstuck. You know, Steve, who mentioned in here that he had a big addiction he was fighting with, and he quit it really easily just from one free session from me and continued to grow and learn about hypnotherapy and be a really good hypnotherapist. And maybe your motivation will come from doing a hypnosis session. So go over to wendy.com. It's wendy with an I, W-E-N-D-I. Share this podcast link with your friends. Post it all over Facebook and be the one that inspires others to do something better. And for Grace, who wants to know how I organize my life, so sorry to let you down there. And yeah, like I said, I'm a Sagittarius, which has its perks. But the organizational part of it is not really one of them. And I, I tend to just, when I feel inspired to do something, I do that. If I feel a burst of creativity, then oh, I want to do this, and I want to create this thing, and then I immerse myself in it. But I don't really have a really good plan for each day and what I'm supposed to do, except for things that I... I want to do, like, if I have a podcast interview, which I've been doing lots of those, and I know I need to be there, so that that's easy. But anyway, Grace, you, maybe you can help me. Because <laughs> I cannot to help you. And then we're going to have some retreats in Hawaii. So I did one a few years ago that was just awesome. It was in a beautiful big house that was kind of a Bali-style house, so it didn't have walls. It just had curtains on the sides. And my brother Tim, who is a chef, cooked for everybody for a whole week so you didn't have to lift a finger. We had we swam with the wild dolphins in Kealakekua Bay several times in the mornings. We walked to the lava where it's going into the ocean. We did so many cool Hawaiian things. Had an artist come over and she had all of us doing watercolor paintings. But we did therapy every day. We did a good four hours of therapy as a group and then also individually. So doing more retreats like that, oh my God, that is like for me the most exciting thing to do because I get to be with you and things are changing here pretty quick. Uh, 15th of October, they're supposed to allow you to come to Hawaii with a COVID test. United Airlines is going to supply those COVID tests so you're actually getting them right there at the airport and then you'll have your results maybe a day or two later 
which was in the, within the time frame. So there's the potential that you could start coming to Hawaii after October 15th. We could start doing some retreats out here, which I would love, love, love to do again. Yeah, Still got my brother here. He's right down the road, and he's a chef, and he loves to cook. And he's a fun, fun guy, so he's not a, not the mushroom kind of fun guy. He's the <laughs> human being, make you laugh kind of fun guy. But I'll be thinking about some new ways to make the retreat even more exciting and challenging and weird and get yourself out of your rut so that you can start doing things differently from the moment you leave. And maybe you'll want to stay a little bit longer and go on some other adventures around here. The Big Island is really nice. It's got something good going on. All right, I'll let you all go. Wow, it's been 48 minutes. That's a lot. If you're still here, thank you for listening this long. And remember to share this, tell your friends, help them if they're stuck. Maybe something I said will inspire them to fix a part of their life that they don't like so much. All right, you all have a fabulous day filled with love and joy and surprises. Bye-bye.